Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show special edition from the Health Freedom Expo in Chicago area, far enough outside of Chicago, we feel good about it. My um, guest this hour, as long as she can stand me, is Diane Miller. Yay! My hero, my pal, my friend, and we've been having a great time. For those of you watching, uh, it's a different setup. I want to say a special thank you to pra- Pastor Greg Young for uh, making the connection for us today at the Expo. And uh, I didn't have to set anything up. I'd just plug and play, and here we go. And uh, we've got a whole hour of broadcast healing to start the show here as uh, travel back out wherever you are from the Expo is happening for most people. But we are reporting live. I am reporting live with Diane Miller from National Health Freedom Coalition, National Health Freedom Action. She was also on the uh, panel, the Health Freedom panel, with uh, Jonathan E. Mord and me and Dan, Congressman Dan Burton. And that was I got to say, Diane, that was a pretty, pretty heavy, intense, but awesome panel. That was an intense experience. Wonderful experience. Oh, my God. It was just like history in the making. Seriously. I mean, there was a lot of history that Dan Burton has witnessed firsthand in the in Congress and all the stories he could tell. And of course, the big the big news from our perspective was watching our friend Jonathan E. Mord. Uh, engage in this exploratory committee to run for the United States Senate in Virginia in two years from now if if he's able to raise the funds that you know he set the, the bar I think he will and at that point to realize we may have an absolute actual friend who knows the Constitution who loves liberty and loves the foundations of this country and they're pontificating on all that we have been trying to communicate to the world for years together it would be so earth-shaking and watching Congressman Dan Burton interview Jonathan and watching what comes out of Jonathan's heart and mouth and brain, he is just 100% all of us. He's our voice. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Yeah, I have this strange sense that he'll win. Yeah, I think <laughs> that he'll make so. it and win. I think so. I get a lot of chills. When I t- In fact, I'm getting chills right too. now when I say that. And I think, okay, this is rather interesting. <laughs> uh, now, I guess continuing on a little bit of that discussion, uh, Jonathan E. Mort has appeared on this show weekly for almost 10 years now. And Diane, we've been friends for a long time. I can't get you on enough. You're so busy mm-hmm. helping the, the people of the states set up a safe harbor acts, a right to say no, all that kind of stuff, which is great. We just had a successful U.S. Health Freedom Congress. Yeah. Uh, and I was able to broadcast some interviews from there as well. And, uh, I, I know from some of the folks I talk with, including Irene, who I tra- traveled with part of the way uh, from the group Health Independence Alliance, who got an award for their uh, uh, bill that got passed into law about genetic integrity and not violating that via injection or any kind of shot that would do that. And she said she had an amazing time. The brainstorming that was t- taking place through open source, open forum that she was able to learn a lot, teach a lot, and she came filled with ideas back to uh, Utah. (laughs) That was the goal. (laughs) That was the goal. The United States Health Freedom Congress was a great, it was a great experience. It's always just very exciting to approach it before it, it happens because we're connecting with as many organizations around the country that care about freedom and bringing them into that big circle at the Congress. And that is the, you know, it's not just the Congress Day, it's all of these conversations before the Congress happens that it are remarkable talking to people about what they're doing, who they think should have an award, you know, who they think should be presenting, 
So that six months before the Congress is also a great big part of the freedom movement and why you don't see me very often. No, yes. just kidding. No, I, I know. <laughs> and I then after you. the Congress, I'm like totally laid out in my recliner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's amazing. It's a lot of work to put on. Uh, but the, the folks that were there uh, just engaged in um, a lot of new people. And I think one of the discussion points that is an ongoing discussion point among many here at the Health Freedom Expo is uh, the political divide. You know, there are people coming from the political, the left side of the political fence, so to speak, whether Democrat or otherwise, and they find alignment, those that are here, on the health freedom issue. But they're having, in speaking with some of them, nice people, but, but having a great deal of difficulty in assessing other aspects of people here that are tending to be more conservative and libertarian on a lot of ideas, and uh, the, the interpretation of people that have more conservative libertarian leanings, still the, I think, misinterpretation or the, uh, the wrong impression that's gotten is that we are not caring about people. You know, the immigration issue is a hot button issue. And we hear about open borders and um, you know, somehow that the interpretation that we want to have some level of border control and know who's coming into this country. Are they coming for no good or for good? Right. Uh, is somehow uh, uh, evidence of hatred of people that are not Americans, for instance. And I don't know if you can address some of those things or if you've interacted with folks from the other side of the political spectrum, because I'm always trying to make bridges where it's possible and say, you know, it's not what you think, but I get you think it, you interpret it, you feel it, and I, and I acknowledge that. Right. Well, I, you know, I think what this whole last two and a half, three years has done for us is... Um, in the health freedom movement, over these last 20 years, we'd say, hey, we really want to have holistic practitioners. We really want to have holistic health. We want to have options. We don't want the censorship on cancer treatments. You know, we really want all this stuff for holistic health. And when the pandemic happened and the mandate started, they were like, wait a minute. We put out, uh, we put out an, an alert about masking. You know, we don't want people to have to mask. And... We had so many unsubscribers in our health freedom movement alone mm -hmm. because they didn't want to not do what the government told them. I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, this is the same issue as health freedom, but it's just in a different area. It's, it's telling you to do masking instead of injection, you know. Right. So, we, and then the other thing that happened when we got unsubscribes, we got more subscribers than we had had before because they realized we were broader in our thinking than mm. just, you know, health issues or right. just, you know, cancer treatments or um, holistic health. So when, when people started to understand the broader picture of freedom as it relates to your bodily autonomy, that's when the partisanship started to show up. Mm. It was like, wait, how, how do you understand the government or how yeah. do you understand what who tells you what to do with your body in general, even, you know, masking or getting on an airplane or where you're going to get your food or anything like that has to do with health freedom because all of these things affect our autonomy, our, our survival. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing is it's, um, there's a, there's like layers of understanding. Like some people are very focused on the vaccine and, you know, mandates and just the COVID vaccine and testing. Yeah. Other people go a little bit 
larger in their scope thinking, well, even if it's mandating, can you keep your kids home from school or you can you, it's, there's another level beyond your Mm. vaccine issue. It's all health, like whether your grandmother has to die in a nursing home without a visitor. That is a bigger issue than an injection in your body. That's how, that's real health. Like people die because they're alone. So as people increase their understanding of what, who's telling them what to do, basically in every area, who's telling them what to do in what kind of energy they use or who's telling them what to do and kind of what car to buy or who's telling them what to do of, of whether to have a bank or cash. Right. So it, it, it's like there's different levels of people awareness. And at the very top of that is liberty. Mm-hmm. Like how is our government structured? What does our government mean? So a lot of people have never gone from the vaccine thing to oh my God, we have a republic and there's 50 states and there's electoral college and da-da-da. So there's all this stuff in between. And what we're finding is that we're teaching people that all these things are impacted by our sovereignty, by the way that liberty was structured 240 years ago. And that's, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing Americans becoming educated about their country and arguing about it, which is very interesting. Yeah. The intricacies of uh, you know, the fundamentals of freedom, and yet the isolation from freedom that we have been, uh, I guess, propagandized to perceive, believe, depending on what side of the political fence people are falling, where we're seeing alignment on the no vaccine mandates now. I'm seeing awakening to that some on the left coming over and going, yeah, that's that's too much. Or even the masking now as they realize the science wasn't there to support it. If they had been worshipful or overly respectful of so-called scientific uh, intelligentsia that may be, uh, again, a, another pharmaceutical manipulation as well to promote and sell products for profit with no liability. So I see these discussions rather interesting because as we were uh, at the health freedom panel that we did with Jonathan E. Morta and uh, Dan Burton, as well as the uh, special event with the exploratory committee for Jonathan E. Moore to run for the U.S. Senate out of Virginia, uh, it was like going back to school for some people. And, I, and I, I can hear and feel people that don't understand the basis for American liberty and where it was originated to try and understand. As we speak out against socialism and communism, some people are like, why are you doing that? That's a better system. There's a lot of people that did not realize or still don't realize the danger of collectivism. That is uh, looking at each of us, not as individuals, but as a membership in a group. And we look at each of us as a group, which doesn't make sense on a physiological, medical, and immunological basis because we don't get sick as a group. We don't get well as a group. We get sick as individuals, well as individuals. And also the aspect of rights, from where do rights originate and what are they? And can they be removed from us? And that's where we get into the discussion of rights versus privileges and how many things the government is convincing us are rights are actually privileges that they grant and can take away. And, and so we're, it's like going back to the fundamentals in elementary school that many people have never been taught because our scholastic system or uh, system of mass education has purposefully, I would argue, 
stop teaching about these things over our lifetime to the extent that now the opposite is being taught that our rights come from government, not God or a creator. So we are, we are at a, uh, I, I say a crossroads, but certainly at a perspective where we could yell at each other in terms of politics, or we could try to go deeper into the basis for the, you know, rights that exist and how that, how that came about in our history as a, as a unique governmental experiment called America. Uh, and I think that's the struggle I see out there that people are talking over the things that they don't have a fundamental understanding about, and then we can never get anywhere. Right. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think that one of the biggest, the biggest conversations in the health freedom movement and in the American movement is mm-hmm. that freedom, freedom really is a conversation because we don't live in isolation. We live with other people. But we can't sacrifice the individual sacred autonomy of a person for the think tank of a whole group. That would mean the majority would always rule. Mm-hmm. So there's these people that started our country really thought about that a lot. They really were trying to figure out, okay, now, how can we preserve our liberty and still be working as a group? So they put all these safeguards in there. And the Constitution was really thought through deeply because it was the first time they were going to say this is going to be a government of the people mm-hmm. we know we need to respect a person's personal sovereignty but we know there are some things we want to do as a group and when you swing that pendulum all the way over to everything's a group and the majority rules you lose you lose why our country was even made. So when people are talking about the individual sovereignty, you'll, you'll hear people at school board meetings or whatever, they say, just put on your mask and don't kill all of us. And, you know, they're, they're like, you have a responsibility to the whole group to da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a real conversation with Americans, which I think it's been invigorating because... People are arguing about when the group is more important and when the individual, individual is more important. And when they argue about that, they have to co- somehow come to a conclusion that what if the government told you to do something that was dangerous? Would you do it? You know? And, and that's why all the science about adverse events to the vaccines are important right now because the people that want the group think tank to be in control now they're saying well maybe I was wrong because actually what I what the group was doing was hurting real people people. and and so that that's waking people up to say oh this is when this is when we have to really look at liberty because the sovereignty of the individual if you trump on that and let go of it totally You've got these invested interest people who are regulating what the, the group think is, all the money going into the propaganda. They could destroy our whole country, which is actually what's being done, is they're trying to take down the United States on group think with all the money going into these propaganda things that these things are going to you know, help you and they're safe and effective, but really it's a genocide. So that conversation is very real. And, that, and that's what freedom is about. If we don't make it through this freedom conversation where people understand that, yeah. 
we're not going to survive as an experiment. Well, I, I don't think we can mature if we're not uh, willing to dialogue, communicate. Exactly. And, wow. Exactly. I've, I've, I've talked to people, some that are here, that are struggling with some of these concepts because they have a, a different worldview coming from a politically left, uh, liberal perspective. And they hear what they are aligned with, but then they're struggling with the other things. And I say, you know what, that's, o- that's okay. And I'm glad you're here. Yep. And I want you to you know, stick it out, tough it out if you can. Yep. And recognize that there's never going to be total agreement on almost any issue, but that's okay. And that's how it's designed. That's mm-hmm. how we were designed. But when we realize that for instance, the collectivist view that says you have an obligation to society to do X, Y, and Z, which was either to mask or to get an experimental mRNA injection. And we had a perception, I had a perception, you had a perception that, no, that's a risk that is not worth taking. And I don't perceive that, in fact, it's going to be beneficial to this group or herd, which is interesting. Were you at David Martin's talk uh, last night? I wasn't. The other day? Okay. David talked about, you know, the the origin of the herd uh, immunity concept and the herd thing. And it goes into the elitist globalists that want to control and own us, that treat us literally, not figuratively, but like cattle. They perceive that we are just to be treated as if we are... Uh, a, a group of animals to be herded into certain beliefs, views, or actions or activities. And if not, then, you know, you would be poked with a stick of some kind. And that's a difficult thing for those that believe in the quote-unquote science, right, consensus, that it is appropriate when we have come to a conclusion via democracy, 51% of scientists believe this, so they say you must do this based on that. And then they're now, some of them, recognizing that they were wrong about the science and therefore they have to reconsider this idea that because you are here, you have an obligation to do X, Y, or Z for the good of the whole, right? right. Again, the collective. And that discussion is not often happening in an intellectual dis- you know, way where it's just about emotions and how I feel about something and screaming and yelling and denigrating. And look, I'm a human. I can get angry about things and get, you know, but at the same point, I try in these conversations on this show, much less when we're at these events to, hey, why do you feel the way you do? And really listen. The hardest thing for any of us to do is actually listen to something we disagree with but I want to know not necessarily what is the disagreement, but why do you believe what you believe? And now we can have that conversation that we're talking about. You know, you know, this is why we gave the Utah organization the award for the genetic procedure ban, because this was, and this is a very good example. The issue for some people was the COVID vaccine. But for Utah, these people said, you know, as an individual, as a sovereign individual that came to the earth, we don't want our DNA changed. But technology-wise, the scientists are very comfortable genetically modifying apples, you know, apple trees, seeds, uh, soybeans, now you know, animals sometimes. And so genetic modification of, is becoming 
very like, oh, we need a better apple, so let's do that. Or we need a better tomato, let's do this. So they think it makes you better. That concept of if it leaped over to the humans saying, let's make a better DNA for humans. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you have genetic privacy, you say you can't give information about your genetic code to another person without your consent. And what the Utah people said, not only information, but you can't force anyone to have a change in their DNA without their consent. Well, especially as a condition for work or school for any or reason, anything. Right, for yeah. any reason, yeah. without your consent. Mm -hmm. And what that said to me was, the human body is sovereign. And the conversation of COVID was not in those hearings. So in those hearings, the legislators say, oh yeah, we don't want, we don't want people to have their DNA changed without consent. Mm -hmm. And so the, the bill passed unanimously without the conversation of COVID. That's amazing. But then when you go back to the conversation of COVID, oh, the COVID vaccine is not a regular vaccine. It's a DNA, DNA it's an mRNA vaccine that's going to change how your immune system works. Therefore, you can't have it in on, without voluntary consent in Utah. So, for me, it was it was the apex or the just the crossroads of personal sovereignty. This I have a body. This is what it is, and I'm in charge of it. Versus the group think tank. It's the it was the most wonderful way to show where that line is drawn in the sand. Mm -hmm. No, this is my body. You may not touch my body yeah. or change it. Right. And I, I just thought that was cool to have that conversation without the conversation of the pandemic in yeah. it. Because yeah. legislators weren't even thinking of COVID. They were going, oh yeah, yeah. we don't, we don't want anybody was... to uh, change our DNA in the future. We have to protect our DNA. Talk, talk about a stroke of genius. Brilliant. Yeah, it was really, really cool. It addressed a problem. Because it was a basic issue. Yeah, and we couldn't address that problem head on because it was too fraught with emotion and politics. Let's completely remove the issue that triggers people. And let's talk about something where we can find alignment. Right. And that was, again, that's the brilliance. That's the thing that I see is so often lacking in political, economic, other discourse. Yeah. That we get trapped in... And I think it's by design, the Hegelian dialectic, where we have to, you know, group ourselves into one party or another and then fight. Whereas we can converse beyond those traps yeah. and achieve amazing things. And yet there are entities we got to acknowledge on this planet, whether it be from government or non-governmental sources or places that want to keep us divided, not talking, not communicating, because in that way we can be manipulated, controlled. And I talk about drugged, enslaved, experimented on, et cetera. Right. So I'm asking so, for a little, little bit of maturity that seemingly is lacking in you know, <laughs> discourse that doesn't happen. Well, last night somebody was telling me that the city officials in their city are going around and collecting everybody's chickens if they have chickens. They don't want people to have chickens in their yard. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were worried because they have their chickens because they want fresh eggs all the time. And I said, well, you should, you know, uh, pass a food sovereignty law like some of the counties and states are doing so that, I mean, when you take away, when the group think says, we know what food is best for you and mm -hmm. we're not going to allow you 
to grow your own food or have your own chickens? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I think that the concept of sovereignty in so many ways is, has been challenged to the point where people are going, this is ridiculous. We get it now. We're going to be on the front lines here. You're not taking my chickens. Sorry. Right. They might, they might have even gotten a vaccine, but nobody's going to take their chickens. It's very fascinating what's happening. And it's random. It's like depending on where people <laughs> yeah. are coming from. I mean, right. they might be totally, you know, into, you know, um, conventional medicine, but nobody's going to take their chickens. Yeah. Or nobody's going to tell their children in school what kind of sex to be. Right. So yeah. the, the conversation is broadening because of this. Like they poked a bear. Mm-hmm. And now the American spirit is yeah. coming alive. And the Americans are going, nah, no, 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 no. I think we want to be Americans. <laughs> right? Yeah, extraordinary. Now, your book is extraordinary. I want you to hold it up for the camera up there in front of you. I have so a camera. I'm on camera. You, I didn't you even know been, that. Oh, oh my God. I didn't want to tell you and intimidate you, right? You look great. <laughs> Diane Miller is here. Hold it up there. Health Freedom. Uh, and this is an important part of, uh, of the well, discussion. Well, now that I know that I have a camera. Uh-oh. Yes. No. Okay. You're looking great. So, Health Freedom. Mm-hmm. The greatest freedom of all. Mm-hmm. And really, I wrote this book I had about you know five books in my head but really this book is really me Um, it's my story of how I got into the health freedom movement uh, and then the principles of health freedom and how this country got to where it is with the health freedom of an individual so yeah it's it's um, it was it was fun to write Um, it started out with the I was working on this case of the farmer who was shut down for practicing medicine without a license, and I went, how in the world could somebody be a farmer and have, like, seven federal squad cars on his property and helicopters going right. after him because he was practicing medicine what without a license? What was he growing? Cows? <laughs> he was gave milk? Dairy cows. Yeah. yeah. So um, I told the story of the trials, the two trials on that and then how we passed a law to free up all of the healers in Minnesota. So that's really how I got my feet totally oh, and, and in sync. For those that are new to Diane Miller and the National Health Freedom Coalition and Action Group, um, that's you know what connected us all those years ago. Yeah. That was a big, big event to recognize somebody saw a way to write legislation. And, you, and you've been talking about, you know, in America, the people, the citizens can write legislation and yeah. you can. And you had engaged in that. Now, of course, your background as an attorney, you didn't go to law school until what, you were 40? Right. I was 40 on my 40th birthday, first day of law school. What, like, were you bored? <laughs> I, I think I'll go to law school. <laughs> I was a medical technologist and, uh, and then I had kids. And after I had my children, birthing was a very big big experience for me and mm-hmm. I was very adamant about having holistic births and I became a Lamaze childbirth educator and went to a lot of births I had a, a class specially for uh, crime victims uh, that were pregnant and so I was a Lamaze childbirth educator and I was at a few births where the doctor would come up to me just right in my face say you're not supposed to be here you know you this woman has to have her baby taken away and get the bath and, you know, all this. And the woman would want to have the baby on her tummy. And the doctor wouldn't let the ba- mother hold the baby on her tummy after it was born. And I, it was so offensive to me that I quit being a Lamaze childbirth educator. I just couldn't take the conventional system of how they were treating births mm-hmm. and the cesareans. 
So. Um, and when did you learn of homeopathic medicine as well in, in that whole My journey? kids, 45, 40 years ago, before, before I became a Lamaze. Okay. It, yeah, I, I actually became uh, aware of homeopathy when my kids were like two and four. Now they're in their 40s. Okay. And one of my daughters had a, uh, she had a nosebleed that wouldn't stop. And the doctors kept saying, you know, they'll grow out of it. They'll grow out of it. And, and she would wake up with blood on her pillow. And it was so scary for me. I was like, oh, my God, what's going on with my baby? And um, so that my friend told me about homeopathy. And I went, well, you know, I'm a med tech. And there's nothing in it. And it's crazy. And yeah. I'm not going to do that. But I eventually tried it. So the, <laughs> it was really funny. I went to the first homeopath. And the doctor says, the homeopathic doctor says, well, does she like butter? And I went, <laughs> what kind what of question that is that? to do with it, you know? <laughs> yes. Does she like fish? Uh, does, she like, does she like blankets on her feet at night? And I had clipped off the little footies in her pajamas ever since she was born because she would just she not want anything on, on her feet. feet. Yeah. Right. And he goes, okay, I know the remedy for you. And I'm going, whatever. <laughs> And so I, I was so skeptical because I was a medical background. I had yeah. done chemistry research and stuff. So he shows me the book, and he shows me the remedy, and he says, butter, fish, nothing on your feet. And I'm going, whoa, what? that's my baby. Yeah. It's like, wow. So it took the remedy. That night she had a terrible nosebleed on her pillow. Mm -hmm. Never had another one in her life after that. Did, did you remember the remedy at that time? I do. To this day? I do. Okay. Phosphorus. Of course. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to say as a homeopath myself. When I see a nosebleed, it very often matches that phosphorus, a phosphorus. lot of bleeding issues. So yeah. uh, brilliant. And again, it, it brought you to a place. Now your sister as well, who I know My is also a homeopath. My sister a classical homeopath. And when I, actually, when I, the reason I met you mm -hmm. was because we had passed the Minnesota bill for freeing up all the homeopaths because they, after the Saunders case, I got very sick. Mm. And two homeopaths came to save my life. So these homeopaths were working with me. I'm going, okay, I, kn I know homeopathy, so I'm going to trust these guys. And they got me well. And then they helped pass the Minnesota bill. Mm -hmm. So we were all at the Capitol together learning how to lobby and stuff. And then after it passed, Georgia, Marge Roberts in Georgia, really wanted to pass one in, in mm -hmm. Georgia. Yeah. So I flew down to Georgia, and I hadn't been anywhere and you know i wasn't a traveler or anything and there you were that's where i met you yeah we were working on that health freedom legislation yep. then at that time in georgia and in georgia it was very very cool because the legislators of georgia they had um the holistic community had a room in georgia mm -hmm. legislators um in the capital itself they had a room for holistic healers so the legislators could come and you know yeah we, you know, get we, a we, massage or right. an acupuncture in, Introduce or them to it so they'd have an experience yep. with it that was not foreign and strange. And when yep. somebody would argue, oh, that's dangerous, they'd go, well, no, I just had that experience. Right. And it, it's fine. It's not a problem at all. Right. And the cops came to uh, get rid of them, shut mm -hmm. them down. So mm -hmm. the cops came to try to get them out of the Capitol. And they, and they called the legislators. And the legislators told the cops to move. Yeah. <laughs> and get out of the capital. So that was fun. Yeah, no, so that's, that's some, some interesting memories. Yeah, back yep. way back when. Way back. That was in the, was that in the 90s, early 2000s at that point? I'd say it was probably 2002 or 2003. Yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. Exactly. So 20 years now, yep. e easily. 
Uh, so what a journey, what a journey. And uh, recognizing too, you know, the inspiration that you are to me and maybe to many people, it's like, you only became a lawyer in your 40s, right? <laughs> and that you've been able to achieve such extraordinary things in helping to write legislation. And, you know, with the National Health Freedom Action Group, National Health Freedom Coalition, you know, working with the state, various state groups that reach out to you and the organization and everybody yeah. I've talked to, they're so amazed. They're like, I called and Diane Miller called me back and she actually helped us understand, you know, work together on, I mean, those kinds of things I love hearing. <laughs> and, and then you have other people that you've uh, brought on that working with you that have legal backgrounds, legislative backgrounds. Right. So you're not on your own anymore either. Right, and right. That is the, that is my biggest, uh, you know, desire. Like we have, I'm in my 70s now, so I, you know, I need to keep, I need to If you to see her get, on camera, she does not look in her <laughs> 70s. She's like, I, she's with me in her 50s. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I have brought on an attorney to help. Now I've brought on um, a, a former lobbyist, an advocate, mm -hmm. and we brought on another public relations person. We're really trying to to build our organization so that we can every time you know people say oh I'm glad Diane called me back well you can't call everybody back and so having an organization that can actually respond to the people and teach them how to pass a bill mm -hmm. that is what we want we yeah. want Americans to be out there on the front lines doing making the laws that we like yeah oh exactly being part of that yeah. is such an empowering uh, aspect even though it can be maddening at times yeah. you know it took time it wasn't instant yeah. you'll meet with a lot of resistance but part of this uh, life is about building relationships yeah. and then we come back to that willingness to communicate willingness to listen and that's the uh, one of the hardest skills to learn even though I think we have it innately but we are taught not to because oh my gosh what happens if I listen and I might learn something I might change my worldview. We get very stuck in our ways. We're just, you know, kind of creatures of habit and routine, perhaps. Uh, yet, I think that when we walk through life principally, right, that principles are different. You have a fundamental starting point. Yeah. It doesn't tend to change. I mean, there are things that we dance around the edges of things and go, oh, how does that relate to this? But the abandonment of principle is not something we do. It's not something Jonathan Emore does. Right. And that's also misinterpreted, I think, by some as um, uh, an unwillingness to compromise. Right. That's a big it, controversy to absolutely. talk about that. Maybe you can re relate how there's a distinction there. Yeah, that, that is really true. It's kind of like right now during this thing, since I've been in the health freedom movement so many years, I feel like I'm on the right side. Mm -hmm. right? If you were trying to talk me out of my last 30 years of understanding the, the polit I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But for someone that didn't have the history in the health freedom movement, you can tell a person, you can tell which people really are looking for the truth mm -hmm. and which ones just want to be right. And sometimes I feel kind of guilty that I'm on the right side because I think I'm on the right side. Right. And you're not going to talk me out of this. So it's, it's kind of like the... Um, the difference between, I am open to new information. If you can tell me something that will change my mind, I'm going to try and mm -hmm. hear it. And I think in general, that's what kind of people make the country strong. But when you know something very deeply 
and you understand the history and you've been working on it for your whole life, you have to draw a line in the sand. Like uh, somebody said they were, they were thinking about uh, a statement that, that Scott Tipps made at his keynote speech. He said, you don't, you don't change your truth to accommodate someone else's wishes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what people do. So. Right. So that whole discussion about whether you're just being stubborn or whether you're open to new information, yeah. that's a big deal in the conversation of freedom. I mean, you're, you're a man of great integrity, and you have heard a lot of things over many years and contemplated a lot of things over it. Yeah. And you don't trash people that disagree with you. You know, but uh, a person that is defensive, defending their defending their status without being able to open to the new information that's coming in mm-hmm. is is a real I'm, I have no magic answers about that one I think no. that's a really good so, sometimes point. it's about grace yeah. uh, and love and yeah. forgiveness and you know loving through the differences through the wounds that are that are apparent and uh, you know I want to talk more about that um, Diane Miller God bless you I love you dearly I'm you so are, glad to be here with you you are family to me, you know that. And uh, to be here at the Health Freedom Expo together and just considering how many years, it's like two decades, they're like, who, who could think that could be possible? <laughs> and uh, if you haven't plugged into the National Health Freedom Coalition or the National Health Freedom uh, Action, and as well as your book, Health Freedom, um, The Greatest Freedom of All, that's available online too, yeah, yep. the book? Yeah, yep. definitely want to read that backstory and uh, the things we're doing here are extraordinary. They are the healing made manifest, not just of the body, but of the mind and the spirit. And I think thanks to Trinity School of Natural Health and their commitment to all of those things as well, and bringing us together, Wendell Whitman before Julie Whitman Klein continued this tradition, it has been a goal of mine. How do we bridge the gap? This is not to compromise our principles, but to find a way to reach people where we do have fundamental agreement, even if we're not aware of it at the moment, because of our origin point, which is identical in that sense, even though our journeys have been different from that origin point. And uh, being able to relate on this journey and communicate and listen, uh, I love being able to do that. And you do that so well. Thanks, Robert. All right. Bless you. Bless you. Diane Miller, thank you for being here. We got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And in fact, uh, our good friend Joni Abbott is going to join me next. Oh, yeah. Goody. You see Joni All there? Right, I see her. Yeah. I'm going to give you these headphones. Yep. All and, right. And love bring you. her on in. Okay. So, Diane Miller, great, great news. Uh, great things are happening. Good to see and you. big hugs. There's such uh, kindness and love, yet, uh, there is also a steadfastness. There's a strength. You know, don't confuse our compassion and our love for weakness. It is what makes us strong. And yet, there's so much disinformation and misinformation, not coming from our side, I don't believe anyway, about that, um, that love and that strength and misinterpreting it, as well as our uh, commitment to principles being somehow considered cruel and unkind. When I think the most unkindness cut is from those who would not sit and listen to, le- to learn of our journey, to learn about our story, and to, uh, uh, let's say, 
man, do the hardest thing. That is to embrace those with whom we have little agreement. But in that embrace, we may find that agreement that existed that was invisible to us, that was impossible to consider or conceive that did indeed exist. And I know sometimes when I say this and I hear myself speaking, I'm like, man, I'm asking a lot of people, am I? Am I asking a lot? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm asking too much. Maybe I'm thinking too much that we could mature beyond our differences and come together and communicate and find out those differences are mostly, mostly artificially induced to keep us apart, to keep us divided, to keep us at war with one another rather than to recognize the divinity in each and every one of us so that we can come together and even in disagreement, appreciate each other and support one another and defend one another, especially that freedom to speak, that freedom to live our truth, that freedom to have the experience that is unique to us on this journey, even though we're traveling on the same planet at this point in time. So let's get Joni Abbott in here. Get those headphones on. Hey, Robert. She, you're just, she's just chatting up everybody. I am, I am. Like, here I am doing a show, and Joni's like, I'm going to just talk to other people. Sorry, here. are you hearing me in the background, too? It's okay. Oh, it's, so it's, sorry. It's mild. It's designed. <laughs> Maybe we would kill the mic when I was nearby. Yeah, I can bring your oh. levels down, because you know how to elevate that voice. So. Yeah, it's pretty rocking and booming, yes. Robert. <laughs> Joni Abbott, my friend, a homegrown health and so much more. Yeah. We've gotten some time to reunion this weekend. It's been great, Robert. It's, it's been, so good to see you. And and you have been on quite a journey in our, you know, time that I've got to spend with you over the years since we've met through these Health Freedom Expos and through our mutual wonderful friend that's no longer with us, Liam Sheff, and so many others. And your amazing daughters I've seen grow up mostly from a distance, except occasionally oh when gosh. we get together. Yeah, they're yeah. so they were so little when I started Homegrown Health, like back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is my tenth year speaking yeah. at the Health Freedom Expo. It's my let me see, eleventh or twelfth year. Yeah, twelfth year knowing you. Yes, and it's been. It's, it just feels like we just are getting started. Every time I see We're you, just it's warming like, up. <laughs> it right? It's like twelve years will go by, and here we are living our lives and picking up where we left off. But it feels mm. like we only met just you know a few days ago or something. We just have so much life to catch up on. It's beautiful. Well, and you're relating a lot of your life experience here with the lecture on your journey over yeah. the last 10, 12, 15 years of overcoming, uh, you know, horrendous, let's just call it a relationship that was not a lot of relating. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a lot of abuse and things. And, yes. And your experience is not unique, it's yours, but what you're willing to share candidly, I think is impacting on the health of so many, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical yes. health and everything in between. Yeah, it affects everything. And you know, mm -hmm. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You know, and it's important to, you know, these are things that I, I've alluded to, but haven't really spoken out about. And as you get stronger, as you heal more, as I heal my voice, my throat chakra opens, my thyroid started healing itself and my body has just been so regenerative. It's been really amazing to see what, when you change the environment, much like the gut microbiome, right? The law of the terrain, we've had those conversations, mm -hmm. I, but at, at the same time I hear Dr. David Martin's talk yeah. yesterday ringing through my ears. Wow. But yes. as we, <laughs> my mind is still blown from that. But as we have discussed um, so much, it's it's the, the environment, right? Where you are putting yourself, accepting uh, responsibility radically for your choices and for the consequences, both good and bad, and not really staying in a place of shame or guilt. That's really, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in my lecture here at two. Um, 
but yeah, just really owning your life and owning your choices and then doing better and healing and just letting more light in and shining it just as much as you can. So in our early years of connectivity and you were, you know, coming out of a, a, an abusive type marriage, mm-hmm. relationship, divorce, and all the things that come with that. And again, a lot of people are going, yeah, I've been through that or right. I'm going through that. Um, you have an intellectual capacity to understand some of the things when we talk about abuse or sociopaths and psychopaths and uh, narcissism and narcissists and things like that. But over the years, uh, there's been a change in you that has transformed even your physical presence. Has it not? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've my, my talk today, my journey to losing 100 pounds and it's taken me 10 full years to do it. I lost the majority of the weight four months after I left and it really opened my eyes to not only was I, what was I not addressing in my life, right? My, the emotional aspect of what was happening behind closed doors, but also then the, the embarrassment I think that I felt and the shame that I felt in the natural health world or in the health freedom world, because I knew my beliefs. I knew how I was living my life. I knew that I was dedicated to eating as healthy as I possibly could. And yet it was like my body was responding. And I remember the moments, you know, the day, not really days, maybe months before I left, maybe even years. I just remember waking up and I was sad that I woke up because I just didn't want to face the life that I was living. And, and then I started to think like, who would take care of my children if I were to die? And then I started to realize the, the breakdown of my physical body because of the emotional aspects of my life. I was scared to death and I became very, I don't know, unwilling to unknow that cancer could be healed in the body, that you can shift those imbalances back into balance. And so I just started studying that and studying that and studying that. And I'm like, why am I so obsessed with studying how you heal your body of cancer? Because I realized I was afraid that I would get cancer and die if I stayed where I was. And that was, that scared me enough to not live, to go into a space of like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to heal my body. I'm going to not stop. I'm going to do whatever it takes to heal and not pass this on to my children and give them an opportunity to heal or at least start to pave a pathway to break this generational onset of trauma and abuse. Yeah. And and again, the manifestation of uh, transformation of your physical being so much tied into that emotional, mental, and spiritual beyond all the great food and juicing and organic stuff that you had already implemented for years. Yeah. And, and, and what can you relate as far as some of the, the latter years of breakthrough or the more recent breakthroughs. And I know I'm kind of getting a little into your lecture, <laughs> but okay. people that are hearing this are not going to be here not, at the lecture, yeah, exactly. but you can watch it on replay in February. That's right. Health, you That's know, right. Trinity Health Trinity, Freedom the, Expo Live. Yeah, they'll do a virtual expo. So or the virtual the, expo, yeah. Yeah, it'll be. So what can you relate about that so-called final, and I know there's no final because yeah. it's always there's always an ongoing more. evolution but of healing. There are significant moments and strides where you go. There's visual evidence that there's a breakthrough. That yeah. Was made. So the breakthrough for me was really getting back down to the to the core wounding as as my teacher. You know, she's Liana Shanti, and and. I, I discovered her quite by, you know, what we would consider to be accident, right? It's one of those casual conversations. Somebody mentions her name. And then I went to her website and I saw that there was this mother wound, father wound, narcissistic abuse healing programs. And those are the, these core foundational programs. And while I have done therapy, I have done 10 years or more of domestic violence therapy. I have done trauma therapy. I've spent 
thousands of dollars in therapy going, where am I going to get to this point where I actually feel like I'm making progress in my healing, where I start to feel more home within myself, where Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more free than where I was, where I'm connecting these dots from childhood abuse, trauma, Mm -hmm. and into this space and realm of absolute healing. And it wasn't really until I I found these core wounding aspects of, of healing that I went, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And it just resonated with me. So I started really going back into spaces and places in my childhood that I had either shut down, denied, thrown away in a closet, locked up, you know, with chains. Like we don't go in that room, right? And I started allowing myself to dig into some of the painful history and really go in and kind of rescue my own inner child, rescue my own inner children from the from the abuse and really changing my self-talk, reparenting myself, giving myself what I didn't have growing up, the things you'd always long to have, and really just going through that emotional transformation. And then also, you know, changing my diet. I I loved, I started craving plant, like plant-based foods, whole foods. I'm really interested in and fascinated by how the body regenerates with whole foods and how we use plants to heal our bodies. And so I started uh, digging into that. I did something called the 66-Day Health Mastery Program, which is a 10-day juice cleanse. And then you kind of relearn how to set your palate, relearn how to cook delicious foods that you've probably never made before, and learning how to do it deliciously. Because I love food. <laughs> I do not scamp all when it comes to the spices, Robert. I'm bringing the spice. But yeah, it was like, everybody thinks plant-based is just raw salads and garbage. You know, it's like, it tastes like cardboard, right? So in my, in my own biases with that, I had to uh, kind of put everything that I thought I knew on a shelf. And I was just like, I'm going to stick to this protocol and just see what it does, see what it what it will do for me. And that was kind of like shedding the rest of the weight. Okay. The more I heal, the more I allow in the most nutritious foods on the planet that are high mm-hmm. vibrational, the better I feel. I feel better now than I did when I was in my 20s. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's been my experience. And I, I just, I wish I could dance as well as you, though. <laughs> you are amazing with that. But you is can that, sing, I can dance. I'll be your sidekick. We'll be like a Broadway you, show. <laughs> you know, the only thing I can sing is Neil Diamond. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to question that now and see what else what else your pipes will bring us. No, no. It's the only thing I'm trained to do. There's my buddy Brian oh, Hooker there. Brian. We'll get him on in a few minutes okay. as well. Um, so the journey that you're on now, you, you know, not that we're ever done. I get that. It's part of life. But your ability to help, you've mastered some things. You right? know, mastery. That's, yeah. And I think sometimes we're afraid to claim that. Mm-hmm. The mastering of our energy, that's something I'm learning. There, there's, uh, you know, mastery of who we give our time and attention to. Learning mm-hmm. to put protective boundaries all over our healing space. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, with, with the women clients especially that I work with, and, I, and some men, I find that we often don't create enough space. Mm-hmm. For our healing, not enough consistency. We're busy. We have kids. We have this. We have that. And yet, we need to build a protective bubble, mm-hmm. a protective shelter, so to speak, around our healing space and love ourselves enough to really dive in and be consistent. So I've been doing that as well, and it has made all the difference. So normally, when I speak of bubbles, I think of you live <laughs> in a bubble and you're not exposed. But there's a point in time when you're in a healing mode. Yeah, you're wounded. That 
recovery, it's appropriate to retreat and withdraw. Is there yeah. not? I mean, there's a time for that. Yeah, there really is. And, you know, and I did take a break from my podcast from 2015 to 2018 because I was still, I had just, you know, was going through getting through the, the core aspects of my divorce. But I realized that whatever it was that I was doing was not working and I need to, needed to seriously reconsider. I was, you know, trying to do too much, too fast, jumping right back into everything mainstream, all the expectations of now I'm a single mother, right? Now I have to get my kids off to college. And re- I started to really feel the pressure from the world about the statistics mm-hmm. of a single mom yeah. and making sure my kids got to college. And the harder I pushed and the harder I resisted the, the way that my life used to be and trying to push it into a certain direction, the, the worse it seemed to get. So I had to, you know, we learn through pleasure or pain, right? This is all the things that I'm learning about. And uh, I was definitely pushing a boulder uphill and, and was out of flow yeah. with myself and my body, my life, my spirit. So I just had to get back into it and uh, blow up my life a, mm-hmm. several times. So, <laughs> I'll talk about blowing my life up today in the lecture. Right. It's so, Joni Abbott, what if people want to reach out to you and they feel something that resonates from you to say, you, Joni could help me. Absolutely. Right? How do people reach you? What yeah. do they, where do they go? You go to Homegrown Health on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You go to my podcast and on iTunes, Spotify. No, it's not quite on Spotify yet. I'm definitely, that's in the works, but uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. That was what I was thinking, SoundCloud. Okay. And then um, if you have Apple Podcasts on your phone, just click on the podcast, look up Homegrown Health, and then you can reach me through email. So simple. Okay. Homegrownhealthradio at gmail.com. I'll be happy to get in touch with you. Okay. And, and is that part of your journey or mission or is it an inadvertent like, hey, if somebody needs help, whatever, or are you really going into a, you know what? I've been helped so much by a lot of people that knew yeah. this stuff. Now I know it. I want to help them too. Yeah. Well, I'm a certified natural health coach. I did that through Trinity School of Natural Health, and I'm currently enrolled in Health Mastery Institute uh, for the learning food as detox. That that whole fascination, the nutritional components of all of that, the break the break it down. I'm sorry. I'm going to tone loke that for a minute. Yes. <laughs> Every time I say break it down, it goes through my head. Doom, mm-hmm. doom. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we yeah, I, I'm learning to break it down nutritionally mm-hmm. and use food to detoxify. And so that is currently the fascinating journey that I'm on as a student at HMI. And uh, I'll be bringing that to all of my natural health clients that I see currently. And some of you who may be my clients yeah. in the future. Yeah. You got to reach out to Joni, Homegrown Health on Facebook right now or Homegrown Health at... Is that Homegrown what? Health Radio, Radio at, at gmail.com. Yeah. Make sure you get that if you want to email her, Homegrown Health Radio at gmail.com. Also, when we talk about food, clean it up, make it organic. Remember our friends at Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. This is a OMRI listed for, for organic agriculture. I utilize it if need be in the greenhouses, if there are aphids or something getting in there, or uh, around the ants. Hey, the ants and the uh, bugaboos, the roaches that you don't like going inside when the, the weather gets colder. You don't want to spray things that are deadly and dangerous oh, to your kids and your pets or yourself. Orange Guard is delimiting from the uh, orange peel, and it's an amazing substance that is actually tested and analyzed by scientific, uh, uh, let's say, well, University of Arizona, for one, they found that it has anti-cancer properties. Imagine awesome. that, a pesticide that doesn't cause cancer that might cure it. Right? <laughs> that is it, delimiting. <laughs> so get Orange Guard at your local Ace Hardware store or Whole Foods, or just go to orangeguard.com. Send a picture into Super Don when you get your Orange Guard. We'll add it to the collage, and later this month, we're going to be doing some giveaways, so I'd love for you to do that. Also, our uh, 
patron supporters know about our monthly AMAs. Well, I got to get you as a guest for one of our AMAs, Joni. We have a it. fun time. I would Community love it. is so great, so loving and supportive, and we have a silly time too uh, every month. So <laughs> yeah. think about that. You put me on a little bit of uh, brain fry from yesterday and a little lack of sleep from last night, yeah. and it gets real punchy real fast when it gets it, silly. Exactly. Fun. So love to you and your Thank wonderful you. daughters, I love you too. Thank and let you. them know that I miss them. Hope Aww. to see them on a trip soon, and you're going to have an awesome lecture. Thank, Thank you all for being here on the first hour of the Robert Scott. Bell Show. Uh, two hours a day, six days a week. If you miss anything, uh, they're available everywhere, just about except for uh, Spotify and YouTube. We're banned there. <laughs> well. A lot of people now watching on Rumble. We're apparently there on Rumble Live and later. So thank you all for being here. And uh, I just remind you, it's the God's honest truth. Maybe Joni even remembers what I remind people of at the end of every me? hour. What is that? The power to heal is yours. Amen. Thank <laughs> you for being here. A little more coming up. A whole other hour maybe coming up after this break. Thanks for being here. All right, welcome back. Hour two of the Robert Scott Bell Show from the Health Freedom Expo in uh, Tinley Park. And uh, it's reunion time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Somebody I haven't had on in far too long a time. I don't know if she's been avoiding me. I certainly would never avoid her, Anita Tabao. She's on with me, and we got a book to talk about. We got Mercury in Your Teeth updates to talk about. Anita, how are you? I am great, Robert, and it's so wonderful to be back here again. It's been years. (laughs) It has been a long time, but your smiling face makes me happy. And I still have my teeth. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's long journeys to to, uh, describe or remember about that as well. So uh, the update as we crank up the second hour, the Health Freedom Expo is happening. By the way, this book you've handed me, chew on this, but don't swallow. Let me hold this up. And Blanche, uh, Dr. Gruby, right? Yes, yes. She's amazing. She's a dentist. I've met her over the years here. And uh, she was also at the, uh, the special event we hosted the other night. Uh, for Jonathan E. Mord, his exploratory committee to run for the United States Senate in Virginia. And Dr. Gruby was very generous in donating and supporting uh, Jonathan. In fact, she was the one who got the, the out-of-print edition of Jonathan's first book on technology and things, a signed copy, and uh, it, it was amazing. I was so glad that she got it. She was just so, so terrific. So anyway, <laughs> this new book, Chew on This But Don't Swallow, a must-read before your next dental visit. And, uh, and you're also listed as a co-author here, Anita. And so I got to get the update. What's going on? What's been happening? Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I don't even know where to begin. But, yes, we published this book. And, um, you know, Dr. Blanche Gruby was mentored by the late, great, true father of biological dentistry, Hal Huggins. Yes, and Who we his, had on this show, honored to have oh, to yes, say he's I been... I still have the picture in my phone when he opened his mouth. <laughs> yes, he it, he's just, just uh, one of those legendary people that we got to meet in life that yes. no longer is with us in, this, in, in that physical sense. But uh, I'm just grateful that we've all connected in this lifetime and that we've got to know some of these heroes. Yep. And for sure, you know how people say, uh, and they were right about everything? I... Um, I've had the honor to work with Hal and now Blanche for many years. And she literally was passed the torch by Dr. Huggins. 
and she continues his work and his legacy with with the the most compassion and grace but also telling the truth mm-hmm. and you know whole body health really does start in your mouth it's been the missing piece of the puzzle for all of these years because even in integrative medicine that link still does not translate to the consumer or the patient and so um Many years ago, when I started to work with Dr. Blanche, she said, you know, I need to write a book. I need to get references. I need this. And I told her, I said, if I can come in 100%, I'll do it. So I've been working with her ever since. And we've published scientific papers together. We're doing a lot of things. And yet, mercury in dental fillings is still not banned in the United States. How is that possible? Well, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, please. Um... The corruption within the dental sector, I can talk about on a first-hand basis because I worked in California for many years in local policy. Then I went to the federal level. Uh, Congressman Dan Burton was here supporting uh, Jonathan Nemort. I'm like, oh, he's going to win. He's going to win. We just know he's going to win. And when I saw Dan Burton for the first time, probably in 17 years, I almost fainted. The guy looks like a million bucks. I'm like, what are you taking? You know, I want some of that. And, um, of course, one of the slides that he showed was a little video clip from um, Mercury and Brain Neuron Degeneration done by the University of Calgary. I believe it was published in 2001 or 2002. And when I originally saw that oh so many years ago, I thought, oh, my God, if anybody looks at this, this is, this is irrefutable scientific fact that mercury causes brain problems. It... it, 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 it degenerates the brain it's linked to Alzheimer's and still nothing Mm -hmm. so um, we wrote this book to educate consumers and medical professionals on all of the dangers of common dental you know procedures Mm -hmm. you know root canals titanium implants Um, this is going to be my new go-to book by the way for the, when people ask me, because hey. I, I have older books that I've referred to, but you've got this one. This is pretty recent, isn't it? It we published. Um, Blanche said it, it, it came out in Feb, uh, December, but I think it was February. Uh, yeah, no, this is great. So chew on this, but don't swallow. Must read before your next dental visit. For those of you who are aware of this already, many of you are in this audience. You might not have uh, well all your relatives up to speed on this. Family, friends that you care about. Uh, this would be a book to be able to get and give them. Right on. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Because, you know, your whole body health really does start in the mouth. And because we know about the political side of this, there's almost a thousand references. Because we know that the mainstream media and, and the mainstream dental sector, they're going to say, oh, there's no problem. There's no problem. Well, hello, there is. And it's just, you know, it starts with mercury because mercury has been the most used... Uh, dental restorative material, and it still is. It's amazing. Still is. I, I, how would, how is this possible? Corruption. Yeah. You know, we, we're all living it with the COVID nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, but I can tell you this, um, because we now know. Okay. Many people ha- have hypothesized over the years about how many mercury fillings are inside the U.S. population, and so on and so forth. Well. The National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which is the largest, most important database in the world, has started in, in the 1960s in the U.S. 
the, they studied the population of the U.S. citizens across all demographics across the board. And finally, all these years later, in 2015, 2016, they finally counted how many mercury fillings are inside the U.S. population. Really? Okay. Yes, sir. And there's more. So what wound up happening is um, Mark and David Geyer, brilliant researchers who you know, mm-hmm. um, they published two papers recently, one on arthritis and the other one on asthma. And they used the database as well as um, uh, Estrich, who was the first to publish on this information. And they found that their research looked at the NHANES database and they said 15 years and older of the U.S. population, it's more than 50%. So more than 50% of the U.S. population age 15 and older, sorry, I I messed that up a little bit. Right have mercury in their teeth. So that means that a lot of people, millions of people walking around with hazardous waste in their in their mouth. That is correct. Now, Geyer's just published another paper on the mercury vapor coming off of these fillings in this portion of the U.S. population that has it in their teeth. And most of them have levels that are higher than the EPA ratings are, are, are allowed. Yeah. So this is horrific. So, uh, Dr. Blanche and I just published a paper, Alarming Findings on Mercury Dental Amalgam. We just published it. It came out maybe three weeks ago. Um, so, it, it was, we did a press release. It's online. You can read it for free. And I'll tell you what. The suppression of this information is going to end very, very shortly. It's in my opinion. You can't keep this a secret forever. And there are a lot of people that do know about it, but yet it's still there. Now, this, you said alarming findings on mercury dental amalgams. Where do people find this paper you published? If you just put it in a search engine and put in G-R-U-B-E-T-I-B-A-U, it should pop up. Got it. All right. But I, if is there a particular site or, or journal article paper? Well, I mean, yeah, it's a it, journal article paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, Robert. It's okay. I, I will I, find it. You know, we've published so many papers. In the, you know, it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. boom. We, we did a paper called From COVID to Cancer is Vitamin C the Answer. Mm-hmm. And that was republished. I was just telling our colleague, Brian Hooker, that, that Thompson Newsletter asked the, the publisher if they could republish it because it's such an important paper. Mm. Um, we did that, I think, in 2021. But yes, that, that paper, um, if you go to dnaconnections.com, mm-hmm. they have a list under references of all of our papers. Okay. dnaconnections.com. Got it. Thank you, Anita. So what else is going on now that you, you I mean, you've been on a passionate uh, a mission for so long, and, and yet, <laughs> and you know, I'm still here. You're, and you're still here, and you're Yay. still smiling, despite all the obstacles, and you're doing great work. Um, what is the next journey? What is the next project you're working on? Ending the use of mercury in the state of Florida. Specifically Florida. Because I'm a resident. Okay, you moved. You're in Florida. Okay, I so, am. Don't so, tell anybody. Uh, sh- I won't tell. No one knows. <laughs> but the idea of targeting one state, you have an interesting uh, surgeon general who has been very outspoken about the dangers of the uh, or the lack of, uh, let's say, <sighs> efficacy, much less safety, of the COVID jabs for young people in particular. So maybe he'd be willing to tackle this issue of mercury. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and here's another thing. 
um, there's a, a genetic predisposition for individuals that have mercury. And, um, you know, Hal has had this test available, mm -hmm. and now Blanche is, is still has it available. It's called the APOE test. Right. In my mind, you know, while there's other testing that she does, uh, biocompatibility testing for, you know, dental materials, materials yeah. once you, you know, know that you're being poisoned by the ones you have in your mouth, like mm -hmm. mercury and titanium, or, yeah. um, you get the stuff that's the least reactive because something is always going to have a reaction. But you want the least because there is no one size fits all when it comes to dental materials. That's true. Yeah. And then we have this APOE test. And as, as you know, uh, <laughs> if you have a genetic predisposition, and I was just talking to Brian about it, mm -hmm. he's a 3 4, his son is a 4 4, and you have mercury exposure, you cannot excrete the mercury. Yeah, it makes it very difficult and near impossible without uh, extraordinary assistance and focus on it. That is so. correct. And it makes it so much worse when people say, well, I have those fillings and I don't have a problem. Well, again, this is bioindividuality. Some people that have these fillings are paralyzed as if they have MS or worse. And upon removal, suddenly they can walk. Others seemingly function without incident. Maybe we could figure out there's some minor issues relative to a paralysis scenario. But I think nobody is benefited by having mercury amalgams in their, in their body. The question is, how severe will it impact you? That's part of the, that discussion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And even the world, I mean, the World Health Organization in 1991 said the first round of human exposure to mercury is through dental amalgam. Mm -hmm. And then they came around, I want to say maybe 2017. Yeah. There is no safe amount of mercury in the human body. I mean, we're, we're talking about a neuro, not, no neurotoxin, the most toxic, non-radioactive material known to man. And they put grams of it in our heads. Yeah, pretty Not incredible. a little bit. So the, the APOE link in all of this, you know, Professor Boyd Haley, um, yes. who developed this compound that was used as a, a supplement, and then he was closed down, and now he's running it through the FDA protocols for, you know, to sell it a as a drug. A lot of years he's been working on this. It's, it's now 10 years yeah. later, and um, we're hoping that we can get this available to everybody because when you look now that we have the enhanced data mm -hmm. that half of the population has mercury over half let me not get incorrect yeah. here over half have mer mer mercury I can't even yes. talk mm -hmm. in their teeth and the APOE genetic predisposition is 25% of the global population which means it's 25% of the US population so we're talking about Neurological problems galore, which is why you see that increase going up year after year after year. Mm -hmm. It's it is a pandemic. That's yeah. the real pandemic, and it's it's iatrogenic medicine again. You know, this is not by some sort of accident. No, they are still fighting to keep mercury in play in the dental sector, and it's criminal. Yeah, in the scientific world, it's not a, even a controversy. But when it comes to the politics of it, the economics of it, they try to pretend, yeah, there's some controversy. We're not really sure of mercury. And yeah, it's, a, it's just absurd, honestly. So we, we think we could do big things in the state of Florida where mm -hmm. it would be a game changer for, yeah. for all of humanity. Beautiful. Well, Anita, it's so good to see you and so glad that you can stop in and, and give, it, give so me much. a copy of this new book. Chew that on is this. Your book. It's my book. I, I signed it. Blanche left. <laughs> oh, look at that. Yes. You got it signed. Thank you, Anita. Chew on this, but don't swallow. Must read before your next dental visit. Dr. Blanche and Anita have here written this together with forwards by uh, Dr. Pinto and Hal Huggins of all 
folks. Yes. That's amazing. Yes, it is. That's beautiful. And, and where is Dr. Blanche uh, helping people? She's still engaged in practice, right? Yes, yeah. yes. She's in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and you can find the book online at chewbook.com. Chewbook.com. C-H-E-W. Chewbook.com. All right, Anita, thank you. Bring thank in Brian you. Hooker, if you don't mind, and uh, we'll continue the discussion. That is so vitally important, and what you're doing is so amazing. Thank love you, you so appreciate much. You. I love you too, man. God yeah. bless you every day of spreading the truth. Thank you To so all much. of us and for all of us. Yes, thank you. All right, thank Anita you so Bow, much. wonderful to see you again. So, folks, uh, these issues that I've brought up over the years since 1999 when I first opened the microphone have not necessarily gone away. In some cases, we say we have definitely made improvements. Uh, we've reached people we've, we couldn't reach before, partly because of the attempts at banning us, censoring us. That gets more people interested in what we're saying and what we're doing. And uh, I'm interested to hear about your journey as well. And one of the greatest ways I get to hear from you, not only in the chat room, but also when you send messages through the Robert Scott Bell Show website, you get the newsletter. If you haven't done so already, text my initials RSB to 22828. Text RSB to 22828 and Super Don will plug into the greatest health freedom newsletter that exists. And you'll uh, you'll be happy that uh, you'll be part of that. Also, you can call us at 866-939-2355, 866-939-BELL. And that's a message you can leave us as well as join us at our monthly AMA for the patron supporters. If you'd love to support the Robert Scott Bell Show directly, we appreciate that. But even if you can't, for whatever reason, just sharing the show does a lot because people don't find us because Big Pharma doesn't want you to find us. And they have a lot of money in PR agencies to stop us, but we're not quitting. And Brian Hooker isn't quitting here. Professor, Dr. Brian Hooker, my pal, my buddy, he's here at the Health Freedom Expo as well. And he was scheduled to speak the same time I was, so I didn't get to go to his lecture. He couldn't go to mine. And now I have to learn what he said. Uh, a bunch of stuff. I know. A bunch of stuff. It was uh, good stuff, mostly. Mostly, it was it was all about Robert Scott Bell. I, I <laughs> it better not have been <laughs> the praises of Dr. Robert Scott oh Bell, and and then they all left and went to your talk. No, so no, I was, hope it was well attended because I would have been there. I'm like, dude, don't do that. I don't know how they did that. They I know, know, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was really okay, and uh, it was well attended. Mm -hmm. I talked about. Uh, vaccinated versus unvaccinated populations, the studies that have been done with vaccinated versus unvaccinated populations, the reason why the government doesn't want you to know about these studies, and the reason why the government has never done these studies, even though you know they, they, they commissioned in 2013, the mm -hmm. Institute of Medicine was commissioned by the National Vaccine Program Office and DHHS to actually look at the vaccination schedule. The Institute of Medicine came back and said, you know what, you should really study the vaccinated versus unvaccinated health outcomes. Mm -hmm. You know, you have stakeholders that want this. You want parents that have, you have parents that have these concerns about this. And um, the National Vaccine Program Office just turned a blind eye to it. The CDC never did anything. And here we are almost 10 years later, and there is no official vaccinated versus unvaccinated study. But unofficially, there's peer-reviewed publications that indicate what you have also helped to bring out, that the overall health, uh, let's say, uh, if you can call them scores, but certainly just observationally and as it's reported, uh, via pediatric community, certain practices right. have found that the most vaccinated versus the less vaccinated versus not vaccinated at all, there's a significant difference in health outcomes overall. That is correct. And I am in the 
uh, process of writing a book with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It's going to be called Vax on Vax, uh, What Does the Science Say? And it was going to come out in November, but it got delayed until April because uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy is working on another book. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's queued up. It is, my draft is done. Um, but what we found uh, was uh, a total of 91 studies where vaccinated versus unvaccinated children and vaccinated versus unvaccinated adults. Some of these uh, were Gulf War veterans. We actually have a chapter on the Gulf War syndrome. Some of these were COVID-19. Um, and so we have an entire ch chapter on COVID-19. We looked at vaccines in pregnancy. We looked at uh, the childhood vaccination schedule and we found all of these studies and we want this to be a handbook, a compilation that mm -hmm. people can turn to and say, yeah, this is what they do. You know, this is what happens when you look at unvaccinated children, unvaccinated adults versus vaccinated children and vaccinated adults. And of course, especially with the childhood vaccination schedule, you know, it's, it's undeniable. The unvaccinated children fare the best. Mm -hmm. They have the best health outcomes and they have lower prevalence of disorders like ear infections, autism, asthma, developmental delays, ADD, ADHD, gastrointestinal issues, uh, sleep disturbances. Um, and, you know, you can see glimpses of this in the CDC information uh, that has is, is come out. And every now and then they'll allude to something, but mm -hmm. they'll say, oh, it's not a significant effect or, or uh, well, oh, vaccines of, are the best protection or whatever. All of those things you mentioned and some you didn't are, well, they degrade quality of life. Correct. And they degrade it in early life. Correct. And, I, you know, I'm one of those canaries in the coal mine of my generation that was, I was vaccine injured by the, the smallpox vaccine. Oh, I had goodness. severe injury, you know, headaches, head pains, migraine type pains in childhood. And who knows what else, because I had all the classic symptoms that if you look at these 91 studies, much less the studies that maybe you co-authored with Dr. Paul Thomas and uh, you know, who else was, was uh, Neil, Miller, Neil Miller right, bringing these things out? But, you know, of those 91 studies, how many of those included those studies? Are those additional studies, the 91 that you're talking about in the book? They are um, 91 studies that include include uh, that. Okay. What, what that I, what I've published with Neil Miller, what James Lyons Weiler published with Paul Thomas. Okay. And then also uh, Anthony Mawson, who really got the ball rolling early in 2017 with his studies. So, but that's only a few studies. When you say 91, that means there's a lot more out there. Correct. And and I just want to reiterate again my experience uh, with chronic ailments and illnesses. I had very few vaccines relative to the schedule now, right. but yet it was enough to create problems in my life. Ear infections, I was one of those kids. Skin rashes, digestive disorders, respiratory ailments. Uh, and this is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg for me. Right. And yet quality of life impacted. And what I experienced, which was unusual at my age and era, if you will, is now more commonplace. And these studies have shown that it is not an anomaly, it is not a one-off, that that's the, what they don't want you to look at. And as you pointed out, they want to diminish that it matters. Absolutely correct. There was a study um, that just came out and it was co-authored by one Frank DiStefano, from, who was the chief of the Immunization Safety Office at the CDC for over 20 years. He's recently retired, but this study came out and it, it correlated, it showed that aluminum in vaccines correlated to asthma 
persistent asthma in two to five-year-olds, and they looked at the total dose of aluminum in vaccines uh, given between ages zero and two, and they found that it subsequently led to asthma. But it's a typical CDC paper in, in their inevitable fashion. They had all these provisos and said, well, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really um, uh, besmirch the vaccination schedule. Vaccines are still the best protection. And you know, even though you run the risk of getting persistent asthma, you should still get vaccinated, ta-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, mm -hmm. But it was a weird, interesting admission. And if you look at the way they calculated the aluminum, it was almost a surrogate for the vaccination schedule. So essentially what they were saying was that more vaccines in childhood equals more asthma. And I found that to be very an, a stunning, stunning admission. My memory of Frank DiStefano, he's not a friend to what we do and what we communicate at all. No, no, he is not a friend. He is um, akin to the, the guards that, um, that kept watch over the gas chambers in Nazi Germany. I know that's really, really strong, but you've got to understand Dr. Frank DiStefano has an autistic child that he reached out to somebody in our community to try to figure out how to chelate his child, mm -hmm. but yet, you know, he will not publish this and he, he will take the best for himself, but he will not recommend mm -hmm. that and he will not, he completely indemnifies vaccines, even though his personal experience belies the fact that vaccines are related to autism and yeah. they do cause autism. Yeah, that's a bit scummy, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfectly scummy. And in charge of, of myriad frauds, myriad frauds over thimerosal-containing vaccines, over the MMR vaccines, over the DTT, D, DPT, DTAP vaccines, mm -hmm. over the hepatitis B, B vaccine. It's, there's just this litany of fraud that right. has Frank DiStefano's fingerprint on it. And it's, so it's odd that at the end of his career, he very, very recently retired. Now he's making sort of this stunning admission. Yeah, I, I just don't know how they look in themselves in the mirror, much less sleep at night with uh, what they have purposefully uh, denied or aggressively worked against. Right. Uh, it's just stunning. So uh, uh, any other revelations from your talk yesterday? Well, um, you know, I, I have also been looking at the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, this is sort of external to my talk. I have a mm -hmm. uh, paper coming out with one of my research associates, Dr. Carl Jablonowski. And what we did is we looked at when did CDC know that myocarditis was uh, um, a side effect of the COVID-19 vaccine and specifically mRNA vaccines. And we found out, we looked at the VAERS data and we looked for signals in the VAERS data um, using what's called a hypergeometric statistical function. Yeah. You know? and, and you're able to do that uh, it's sort of an internally consistent analysis with VAERS. And the signal appeared on February 19th, 2021, literally weeks after the vaccine had been introduced. The vaccine was introduced on December 10th, 2020. So, you know, about 14, uh, less than 14 weeks later, they have a signal for myocarditis. And yet the CDC sat on that information for three months and didn't say anything until May of 2021. We, we were, so they hit it. We were reporting on it almost instantly. Right. And yet we were not, uh, let's say, not that we're looking for praise, but it's like, hey, thanks for giving us a heads up. It was like, no, no, no you're banned on YouTube. You're right. banned on Spotify. How right. dare you bring up that there might be 
adverse events associated with these jabs. Oh, absolutely. Every yeah. every time I talk about it on the Facebook, I'm in Facebook jail for 30 days. I'm I'm a repeat offender, just like you. I I'm I'm not as good as Robert Scott Bell because I haven't been deplatformed <laughs> yet. Uh, so no, don't I don't want you to be deplatformed. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, you know you are still out there uh, communicating it and. Uh, always got to check in in terms of uh, at Simpson where you are uh, as yes. a professor and such. Is everything okay there? Considering everything, everything? is is okay at at the university, um, they are very very supportive of academic freedom. Yay. Uh, I couldn't be more blessed to be able to be at such an institution. It seems so rare to hear of yes. a statement like yours. It's like they support academic freedom. I'm like. I wish that were the norm, but I'm so grateful that where you are, that that's the case. That is that is indeed the case, and you know I hear all of these, um, uh, especially the the new wave of individuals who were ostracized by their universities. Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Robert Malone, all these people who are affiliated with universities who were summarily fired. Mm. From their from their university positions, you know whether they were MDs, PhDs, or whatever, and and I count myself blessed to be at an institution again. Academic freedom, it's that plain and simple, and it should be in every higher ed institution that does research. Yeah, well, that's it. Academic freedom. I love the ability to engage, discuss, debate, disagree. Right. You know that was the harbinger for good schooling at the collegiate and scientific level engage and challenge each other and that has become no cancel each other Uh, and a shout out to someone you mentioned earlier dr james lyons weiler dr jack i'm going to see him next saturday the 22nd of october in the pittsburgh area uh, beaver falls area there's a big health freedom event that health hut is hosting and i'm going to be there speaking at that event and it'll be a little bit of a mini reunion dr jack and i think uh, scott shoemaker scott shoemaker yeah good guy i know my buds yeah and uh so good some others that i'll probably go oh you're here too i don't even know so i'm looking forward to that next saturday 22nd also Shout out to upcoming events, including G. Edward Griffin hosting uh, the next Red Pill Expo at in Salt Lake City at the Salt Palace Convention Center, November 12th and 13th, Saturday, Sunday. Have you been to the Red Pill Expo? I have not been to the Red Pill Expo. I want to go. Yeah. I want to go to the Red Pill Expo. This last year was my the first year that I went to the Truth About Cancer, and so mm-hmm. I'm I'm starting to sort of expand my milieu of, of the conferences that I've been invited to and yeah. that I want to go to. Red Pill is on the list. Some of our friends have been there, like Del Bigtree, of course. Oh, good. And uh, I think Del might be coming back for that as well. Okay. And so, uh, did you see David Martin speak yesterday? Or did you see any of David's talks? I I, I have a good friend, uh, Dr. Mark Zumhagen, who was speaking at the same time as David. So I missed his talk. I saw David speak at um, the uh, Advanced Medicine Conference. Right. And it was absolutely riveting and scary. Scared the pants off of me. You know, I I lost my appetite for like three or four days. <laughs> he after goes that, so. he goes right to p- origin point, which I exactly. appreciate. But mm-hmm. it, you know, every time you think you hit origin point, it goes deeper, and that's what is is a struggle for anybody. And he challenges people when he's exactly. doing his talks. He's like, I want you to see this. I think you know you might be ready, and he doesn't hold back. And he also throws humor in there. Thank God we need humor yes, all the time. Yes, we've got to be able to laugh. It's way better than crying. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of reasons to cry when we see how, how much we've been lied to and deceived on almost all levels about everything. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And he sticks with his principles. He will not call the COVID shots a vaccine. And mm -hmm. they're not a vaccine. They're a genetic technology. Yeah. You know, they're basically genetic engineering. Right. And so, you know, we're seeing this on a widespread scale. They've already shown that the that it will reverse transcribize. Uh, I'm sorry, reverse transcribe. Reverse transcribe, transcribe. I yes. I can't say it. Um, Yes, and um, that it will enter, it, it mm -hmm. can enter into genomic DNA. Yeah. So what in the heck are we doing to our bodies? Yeah. How, mu how much time do we have here with you today? I, I don't want to overrun if you were doing another talk or something. I, I, I do have a commitment right at 1 o'clock, so I don't know if you've got a, a timer in front. Dude, of you, I don't so. want to tell you what time it is then. Okay. It's 102. <laughs> you have to run. Oh, no. Well, well, I appreciate it. I can be a little late for the commitment, but... Okay. Um, but Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love you, Robert Scott Bell. We, love you too, Brian. I, I wish that uh, we could do this way, way more often, especially with you in 3D and yes, in person. all the way there, yes. Absolutely. We so. have a blast. Well, Brian, it's so, so great to see you all the time and so grateful for all of your intense scientific acumen and your ability to work it and publish it so people can see it, hear it, and know it. So thank you, my friend. And uh, I don't know which is the next event, unless you want to come to the Red Pill Expo in a couple of weeks. Uh, let me work on that. Okay. That sounds really enticing. It's so going to be amazing. But, uh, but you have safe travels, and God bless you, and, and, and thank you so much. You as well. Brian Hooker, our good pal, and we've got links up, as always, to him and the great work that he does, even for Children's Health Defense and others, and those studies, as uh, that we become aware of them, we might, but we like to uh, get them linked up. Thank you, Brian, my buddy, for being here. Uh, we should have a couple of uh, a wonderful couple coming uh, next, and let's see, we'll get Lourdes and Chris Lavoie. I don't know if we'll be one at a time or two at a time, but we'll see. Lord, just go ahead and put those headphones on, if you don't mind, and sit right there, and then we'll figure it out from there. The right and yep. left. I don't I think it doesn't matter. Okay. You put one over your nose, one over the back of your head, and that's how it works. <laughs> Lourdes Lavoie and Chris is, let's see, I can't see Chris. You'd have to sneak around because we've got this camera over here just so you, I want to be able to see you. And I know it's kind of awkward. Where are you, where are you, going? you could sit on that side, actually. What, what, will you show? Uh, yeah, because I want to see, sneak them in. I know it's kind of awkward, I, the, the setup here. And just lean in. Lean and you in. Could, And that microphone moves so you guys can go back and forth between each okay. other. And uh, anyway, you're looking lovely. Chris is all right, but you know, hang in there. Yes. So it's so great to see you guys at the Health Freedom Expo. It's your first time here. Yes. Uh, how's the interaction been with the folks at HFE? Oh, amazing! Like, first of all, they're so loving, they're so open, and they're just sharing so much great information here that. I I can't get enough of it. I'm just like, I'm trying everything here. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so good. It's awesome to see you. And again, we've, we've seen you at Truth About Cancer and different events. And, um, you know, you, you now have your own podcast show as well, which I was able to appear on at least once. And yes. I loved it. We want you back. Okay. So. What was that? I said we need him back as soon as possible. All right. Well, yes. I can arrange that. I know the guy. I know, I know people that know him. And, and we'll do that. So um, briefly, for those that don't know you guys... Your mission, your passion, born out of a lot of challenges. Yes, you know, and, very true. And look, give us the back, background overview for new folks. Okay, so um, we've been dealing with, you know, I don't know, like my cancer. I had like a week left to live, and I decided to do everything naturally instead of doing the conventional medicine. Through that, I learned that the body heals, giving it the right stuff, no matter what the situation is. So then from there, we had another incident that happened two years after that. 
after I was cured. Um, and my daughter had become brain dead. She had all her white matter gone. And we learned, even though they wanted to turn off the machines, that we could fix this. And we turned that around by giving her 20 grams of fish oil in her feeding tube. And I was able to deliver my grandson last year from this daughter of mine who they wanted to turn off the machines on. And oh. then now we are taking care of my mom, who had, who had severe dementia. And now it's slowly going away and she's improving. Wow. And yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I'm sorry. Just to, just to expand on that, when Lourdes uh, was dealing with her cancer, we learned uh, that there are three options that people typically will, will fall under when it comes to, to dealing with their health. And we call those option A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And option A, uh, put another way, is actually medical tyranny. So option A is, is and, and we've, been, we've been saying this for a bit now, our message is that, op- that medical tyranny is not the in your face, you're going to go to jail because you didn't take an experimental jab nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's definitely part of it. Option A, the more scary part of option A is the, the, the clandestine, almost secretive way that they're trying, that they've brainwashed society at large to believe that A, they absolutely must see the medical doctors for every ailment, no matter what. Uh, B, there's no way you can heal yourself. See that the medical industry is in charge of you, yeah. and and uh, people are afraid to make their own decisions anymore. And that's that's a real medical tyranny that we're talking about. So option A falls under medical tyranny in that in, the, in that people will listen to the doctor wholeheartedly. A doctor could say to certain people, and we know these people, if you jump off a roof, that'll take care of that spleen problem you have, and they will jump off a roof. It's 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 insanity. Yeah, there's there's mass psychosis programming and. Um, you know, a lot of this you've learned through dealing with the cancer, much less the other uh, case with the child. Uh, we have seen an, a steroidal expansion of that under the COVID scare, the fear and everything. Well, that's why it's become a hot topic now. People are talking about it more openly, which yeah. is actually a good thing. Um, uh, it took something like this extreme for people to really start recognizing mm-hmm. that we are being controlled, that the puppet masters are just behind that curtain. You know, it don't stop it. Stop ignoring the curtain. Right. That's where they are. And then option B uh, are people who, oddly enough, we found a lot of these folks. Uh, option B people are the ones who will be diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or some other concern, and they'll say, um, I'll do absolutely nothing at all. Mm. And, and what's strange is that their justifications are, they range from, if God wanted me to have this disease, then so be it. Um, you know, they don't take into consideration that God didn't tell you to eat McDonald's, you know, every day of the week right. and, you know, your body's your temple, but do whatever you want with it. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yes. Um, and the other thing is that we see a lot of option A people who will slide into option B because they believe the doctors, when the doctors say it's incurable, you've got so long to live. Uh, my dad, for example, became option B towards the end of his existence. Uh, he had COPD, um, listened to the doctors all the way through his whole prognosis and treatment options and in, and in the end they found another tumor they found a tumor in his system and it looked suspicious it looked cancerous but basically the doctors were like well you're dying anyways we can we can biopsy that but yeah. it's just a matter of which one's going to get you first and so he said meh and he did absolutely nothing at all and then Lourdes' dad was was actually option C which we'll get to in a second mm-hmm. but he became option B yeah he did become option B because um, he felt that by praying and asking God to save me um, and he's had a long life that that would be it so when he was diagnosed with cancer, he was like, that's that's the answer. So he did nothing at all. And he was option C and became option B. So C actually just is just doing the research, finding out other natural doctors and, and foods and things that you can actually do and take to heal your body. And that's all it really is. It's, it's understanding that our bodies are meant to heal. It's active engagement. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah, in, in fact, that's how uh, with my daughter, I, the reason I ended up uh, delivering my grandson 
is because of this whole COVID, tech, checking to see if you have COVID, and if you do and your baby's born, they take mm-hmm. your child because you are now co- you know, COVID positive. And when I saw that women were getting their children taken away at birth because of that, I was like, nope, not my grandson, so I delivered him at home. Nice, nice. Now, I, w- I want to ask you guys here, and we were talking, I think, did you come, you saw Jonathan E. Mord, right, my friend who's, who's exploratory committee to run for the U.S. Senate, right? Yes. And he's a constitutional attorney. He's a friend for many years. He's a man of great integrity. And I'm like, he can't be bought. This guy can't be bought. He's like, that's the kind of people we need. Yes. Yet uh, we have some difficulties in terms of political divide, lack of political discourse, lack of, uh, let's say, mature discussion, debate, engagement, even in disagreement. Yes. Now we're finding... a many people on the political left are waking up to the medical tyranny even though they've been engaged in actively cheerleading mask mandates and covid jab mandates but some of them are going oh my gosh i was deceived i was lied to now i welcome them into our community i do because we we only know what we know when we know it and we've all had our wake-up experiences so i got to remember that so i'm not being judgy about it however when they come over to this health freedom community if they're coming from the political left they'll often see people who are conservative or libertarian that have different views on other things where the, they're having some difficulty with, some struggles with. And I'm, I'm not someone that likes to dismiss people just because I disagree with them or vice versa, but I also want to encourage the engagement and the mature ability to in, discuss things and even be disagreeing about things and being okay. Exactly. So your experience and what you've seen, because you've also come from a, a background politically, maybe more focused on Hollywood, the left side yeah. of things, Democrats and things. Maybe your journey could be something to help others. Oh, yeah. Actually, my whole life I was Democrat. My whole life. And I got stuck. I didn't realize that it was kind of almost used as a division in, in 2020. Where if you look at the history of politi- politics, everyone's always had one side or the other. No one ever judged it. It was just, that's what it was. But now, because of this whole medical tyranny, they, they really played it smart and then used everything to make it politics. Mm-hmm. And the division was so strong that it, it's where I shifted. Where I started seeing things, I'm going, I watched, you know, actually an episode, or not an episode, but a, a part of where Trump was talking, right, both of us, and we're listening to him say something. And the very next day, we saw that same clip, but edited it differently. And we're like, wait, that's not how it was said. And, and then we started seeing the manipulation, the propaganda, the show they were putting on for everyone else. And we're like, wow. And then I started paying more, we actually both started paying more attention to what do we really believe? What do we really want? And it was the opposite of what we were wanting that, you know, on our side. And we're mm-hmm. like, why are we still here? Yeah. So we just moved on. And you brought up the Hollywood thing. Um, with this whole medical tyranny that they had done in Hollywood, uh, right out of the gates, and, and this is dangerous when you see it for what it is, right out of the gates, all the different unions and guilds, uh, Lourdes is a Screen Actors Guild member, um, mandated that you had to have a shot to continue in the, in, in the industry that Lourdes had worked so very hard her whole life, to, <laughs> excuse me, her yeah. whole life to be a part of. Yeah. And... Um, so Lourdes obviously refused to get the shot because um, I, can we say shot RSP? I don't yes. want to. 
<laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. I've already been banned in places. Now we found others that we have new homes, so we're okay, yes. Okay, great. So yeah. so let's refuse to get the shot because obviously uh, our Option C experience has taught us that you have to look at everything before it goes in. And, and, and legitimately, this didn't smell right from the beginning. <laughs> and we just knew it had to be not on the up and up. And so Lourdes refused to get the shot, and suddenly the audition stopped. She was suddenly not allowed to audition for anything because she didn't. Well, get the no, shot. come on. She forgot how to act. That was clear. Right, right. No, right. <laughs> like, no she's shot, amazing. You don't remember. You're not yeah, a good actress anymore. It's amazing how talented Lourdes is. If you've ever seen her in, in the multiple roles she's had over the years, she's like one of those. How do you do that? For people that I'm like, I, how do you do that? It's amazing. And have it. But yeah, suddenly you're the top of your craft. Nobody argues that. Right. And now you can't find work because why? You're discriminated against. That's right. And I've said this discrimination is back. And people on the left, abhor discrimination but apparently not in this case right it's interesting it's like uh you know equal rights and da 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 but then the moment it came to this it was no you just do this how how could you not do this it didn't matter what your thoughts were on it why you felt like you shouldn't do it it didn't even matter that everything they were saying kept contradicting each other yeah vilified yeah so they just were in fact i got to a point where i was like well i'm not gonna do the shot ever I don't want to put anything in that's not natural. If it didn't, if I didn't naturally build an immunity, I don't need someone to force something in my body. Yeah. And I've been like that since, you know, for the past 10 years. So this wasn't going to change it. I, I, no matter what fear they used, I'm like, we're meant to heal, so I'm good. And then they wanted to do the whole testing. Well, first of all, the tests that they were using aren't even meant for this. No, they're not validated. They're not standardized. And they're used basically to capture people into fear to go into hospitals to get treatments that are deadly. Yep. That's been become clear as well. Oh, yeah. So I, I made it clear. I was like, well, oh, they, you know, they want you for this role. And, and I said, well, do I need to be tested? Because I understood with the other friends of mine that were still filming that they were being tested daily. She goes, oh, yeah, you did. And I was like, well, see, that's the problem. I don't mind being tested as long as I can spit in a cup yeah. and they can take it from there. I right. don't want nothing touching no, don't, my body. Don't be putting stuff in me. I don't know what's on that swab. Yes, exactly. You know? yeah. And they're like, oh, well, no, it has to be. And I'm like, well, what does it matter? If you need my DNA, there's plenty there. There is, yeah. I can give you a whole cup of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that. It was that they had to insert it in your nose. I'm like, no. Sorry, not going to do it. So Nasal rape is not something we support exactly. here. Exactly. Exactly. So I passed. Yeah. Well, good <laughs> for you. And I know you... Now, part of the divide on a lot of things, it's interesting, you, you mentioned um, the, the editing of a Trump talk, right? This is something people may not be aware of, but the algorithms associated with social media, they know who we are, sometimes better than who we know, based on this artificial intelligence. And they, in your feed, will feed that which enforces and reinforces your beliefs so that people on the political left and people on the political right are seeing two different worlds and they don't even realize it. They have a reality, they have a reality and they design it that way so that you, you talk about the same things and you're like, how do you not see that? And then you saw both sides and said, oh my gosh, we are being manipulated. Yes. And this is why we must tell our story, even if it's uncomfortable to find that, oh my gosh, you saw that and this is what I saw. Let's talk about that. And then suddenly you both realize you've been played. Correct. And yes. then where do we find the sanity and the, the, maybe the love that could heal all of this when we're artificially divided by those that profit from our ignorance, their arrogance, mm-hmm. and uh, again, the fear and the hatred that they induce in us? Yeah, I think it's, we have to just really pay attention because we all want the best for everyone. And knowing that, it's like, Let's just take a step. 
and just go, okay, let me see why this person feels this way. And then let me share why I feel this way. And we can compare notes. And it's in the comparison that we look at, if we allow that. It's even in, in science. Yes. What do you do? You look to see, I did this, and you, you kind of compare you the engage, notes. engage, yes. You, and you debate, engage in conversation. challenge each other. Yes. And that's that's okay. Not You don't cancel each other because I feel I, you've challenged me. How dare you? No, that's how we get to the real understanding of what happened or what happens or what's happening or what may happen yet in the future based on things that we are now willing to engage and discuss and learn. Well, I think it was done purposely because they had an agenda and they knew through all the years of studying people how we work. And they knew if we do this to one side and we do this to the other side, we can create a division. You know, it's in the division that you can actually conquer. Yeah. Well, and, and, then, and then it goes back to, you know, you remember reading 1984 in high school, and I was one of those kids in class that was fervently outspoken, and I said, there's no way that would ever be America. No way, no way we would ever allow that to happen. But I didn't take into consideration the slow erosion tactic. Yes. You know, it, it didn't happen all at once. And it was just the slow erosion of our, of our bedrock, which is the news media, is, 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 is out for our best interest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Lourdes and I started becoming aware of these things, we would watch who the sponsors were for the news. Right. And it's always Big Pharma. And so right there we knew that we'd never have a disparaging remark to make about, like, even if, if a drug was introduced that killed millions of people, the news would never cover it. They can't. Their, their paycheck, their, their, their big money people mm-hmm. would never allow that to happen. And it's the same thing with politics. It's happening with politics. That's why there are networks like CNN, which lean to one direction, and Fox, which leads to another, and if you pay attention, neither one of them are giving you the whole truth. Right. And they're sponsored by the same companies. And they're sponsored by the same company. Yeah. So it tells you it tells you something about the, the, the true men behind the curtain, the ones that are trying to keep us divided. Because listen, divided, we can we, they can they can take care of us. Yeah. They can keep us in check. Right. Well, there was I, there's one thing I, I will always remember. I had was getting interviewed on this one show. I don't want to state the show just mm-hmm. in case. But before I got interviewed on the show, and it was about my doc- our documentary, right. you know, our, my journey through Option C and what I did to turn things around. And the very first thing they made clear is that while I'm on this show, I can't really push natural healing stuff that I did. So I had to do it in a way where I did these things, but I couldn't say, when I did this, yeah. the tumor started shrinking. When I did, right. It had to just be, I drank this, I ate that, but I couldn't be specific mm. because their sponsors we're a big pharma. Yeah. The limitations on speech based on the economics at play, not rooted in open discussion, debate, and engagement, intellectually or otherwise, uh, such that we are less able and capable to use our critical thinking skills because they are almost programmed or maybe actually programmed out of our existence. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, th- I think if people pay attention, that when you're watching the news, understand or even a show that supports one thing or another, you have to know that they're going to push certain things a certain way Mm -hmm. because they have to adhere to the person that's putting the money in their pockets. Yeah. The other thing that we've we've taken to practice now 
is anytime a major news story breaks and both networks and all networks seem to cover this major news, breaking news, we start to look elsewhere. Yeah. We say, what else, what other news is out there? Because the fact that you're all in unison on something horrible happening means that there's something else that we need to see someplace else because you're just, you've distracted us. Yeah. And when you start thinking in those terms, if you just pay attention and say, are we being distracted? Are we, are we being, a, you know, a magic trick being held, a dangling something in front of us so we don't pay attention? The little keys are going yeah, nuts. Right. What else is going on around? And that's when we found the truth in a lot of things that have been, you know, quietly and secretly subverted. Yeah. Because the the peop, the big ones the the men behind the curtain have just had said to do so. Well, that's why I've been an advocate for what we call new media. Yes. That is media that is not compromised by pharmaceutical or even governmental interests that have people telling real stories, sharing their journeys and you know, you have become part of that new media. Uh, yeah. sharing your journeys and also interviewing others to that share their journeys and uh, tell everybody how they can plug into what you're doing now with the new podcast. Yeah, uh, our, our commitment is uh, the Lourdes and Chris show. It's every week. Um, uh, every week, thurs- Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're available on Facebook for now. Um, uh, we're still on YouTube for now. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, I digress because RSB, when you were on our show, you know that they, they took down your episode. I, yeah, I kind of I might have mentioned that that could happen because sure. they don't like my name being utilized at all, and I've been banned there. But we've now got the Rumble thing happening. So yes. if you guys have Rumble as well, that's kind of YouTube like, and it makes it easy for people. Actually, and, and that's how we have you because on our website, if you go to the Lordis and Chris Show dot com, yeah. you'll see all our prior um, and present mm. uh, episodes, and you're there because of Rumble. I have to use Rumble. In what, what do you think was the offensive thing besides the name that I have that might trigger an algorithm? Uh, was there something we talked about that was over the top? What do you think? Oh, well, we mentioned Fauci, for one. Fauci, yeah. 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 The we F mentioned the, the, the shots. We mentioned, you know, just those specific things. And it was like, boom. Key triggers that they don't allow. They yeah. did not yeah. like at all. And it's like, it okay. Warning as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a couple warnings. <laughs> Well, I like that that this rumble is so far, you know, not censoring and it's similar to YouTube and ease of of utilization. So if they end up coming down, because the third strike was like, where did the third strike? We didn't do anything for a third strike and they just took us out. And we hear about that. Mercola got taken down that way and others and some are suing, but we just got to move forward too. Yeah. Well, actually we've been blessed that we have, uh, we just are doing a, striking a deal with someone who's actually going to take our show and put it on their platform, which is Orion TV network. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they're in talks right now with, uh, Roku and so many others Excellent. That, yeah, for the show. So. Yeah. Well, hook us up. We, we love reaching out any way we can yes. to join uh, forces and getting the word out. Definitely. Uh, so for those that uh, have, uh, interest, I know one of our good friends, doc Newsom, has been yeah. on your show a couple of times. We love Doc yeah. Newsom. Shout out to him and his family. They're amazing. We love them. Yeah. Who else have you gotten on? Oh, my goodness. Sherry Kalbaum. Go ahead. Sherry Kalbaum has oh. been on our show. Sherry, uh, yeah. Uh, Kimberly Overton. Kimberly Overton, a good friend, Nurse Freedom Network. Um, yeah. By the way, interesting anecdote about hers. When we put hers up on YouTube, it didn't even air. It, they wouldn't even air hers. No. Yeah. So so yeah. we had we had scheduled the air, yeah. and we didn't think this was even possible. But before the scheduled date for it to go on to a premiere, yeah. it was taken down with another warning. Yes, two. It was actually two minutes after uploading it. Yeah. That it and I'm a, going, well, we haven't even mentioned anything in there. And the uh, first two minutes, it's our introduction. Right. So I was clear. It had a lot. And I didn't even use her full name. Yeah. We literally just put Kimberly. Yeah. And that was it. And we didn't say anything specific other than love. Love is life. I think they have 
algorithms to the waveforms of the of the and words the even before you even air them now. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there's facial recognition going on because yes. I'm going, wait a minute, we didn't state anything because the first five minutes is our introduction. Yeah. And it was just her face that was shown, and within two minutes of it going up, it was taken down with a warning. Right. Censorship. Isn't that, uh, the, the, wasn't that, when we grew up, it was all about the conservative right. They were trying to censor things. Yes. And, and now it's completely flipped. The, con, what do I call it, the religious left? I mean. Maybe. Uh, I, I, know I, I mean, I, you got me stumped here, because you're right. I, I, you got me. I yeah. don't know. It's just wild how, you know, the Hollywood uh, left have just actively engaged in, in censorship and applauding censorship and saying, yes, people with uh, views we don't like should be not heard. I'm like, what about the First Amendment that used to be a champion of? Do you not get in doing well, then, what you're doing? The whole PayPal debacle that happened just yeah. recently. I'm sure you've talked about that on your show as yeah. well, where they, they, they released this thing saying that they're going to find people for false information. Wow. But it was at their sole discretion to determine what that what actually that is. Means. Yeah. It's just stunning. Again, this is the, the vulnerability we all have is the banking industry, and I, I keep bringing that up. That's why I'm, I'm encouraging people to use alternate forms of exchange, sure. gold backs and such. And uh, you've seen the gold backs. You know, my son's working Actually, there, yeah. right? You have? Yeah. yeah. I've been just going, dude, don't wait. Don't wait. I'm like, well, I don't know if the government's going to let me. I'm like, what are you, a numb nut? By the yeah. time they let you, you're, you're, you've got no freedom left. That's right. And so you've got to find ways to engage because the destruction of the Federal Reserve note dollar has been on since 1913. I tell you, right? the, the, the sound thinking individuals in RSB are certainly high, enough, high up on that, mm -hmm. um, uh, a leader in that. In that. Um, we have work to do yes. because unfortunately what happened is the, the people that are in control, they're the ones who set up all the online Wi-Fi networks, um, you know, and they're in control right now. And to such a degree that if, if you if we disagree with you, oh, suddenly your servers don't work. Yeah. And we never thought to, to make our own servers. We never thought to create a secondary server. Mm -hmm. Why would we? It's yeah. already there. Yeah. But now it seems like we, we almost have to, from the ground up, start a new infrastructure for free speech. Well, that was actually like a parlor. Mm -hmm. That one got taken down quickly because it, was, it ended up having like millions of followers. People were going on there. Everything was shared. And the moment that happened, because I believe Paula was on... Uh, I think it was with Apple. They just took him right off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was it uh, was the British comedian guy that just moved from YouTube to Rumble or something? Right. Uh, I don't remember his name. Isn't it, it starts with a B? But, uh, um, is it Brandon or? How come? How come we're all losing a name yeah, like yeah. that? He, he has the long hair, <laughs> yes, curls. Right. He was in He's Get funny. Him to the Greek. Did you see that movie? Get yes. Him to the Greek. I laughed like a silly. You know. Oh, right? I, it's not Brandon or something like that? No, 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 no. Yeah. Everybody knows and they're yelling at us right now. This is a... It's this. Right. It's like, I can see his face completely. I'm not yes. Googling it. I, I refuse to do it. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, but you, you know that there are folks, again, that's an example of someone who leans uh, politically left. John Cleese, right? They're arguing that, oh, dare John Cleese go to a GB TV or something, which is like more conservative leaning in Great Britain, not the BBC. He's like, well, they didn't offer me anything. But Cleese might not be conservative by definition, but he supports freedom of speech and doesn't approve of cancel culture. See, that's where people that you know, may have a left-leaning perspective, I respect because it isn't about canceling people whom, with whom they disagree. Exactly. Engage in discussion, debate. If you think your ideas are better, then persuade us right. or make us laugh yeah. along yeah. the way. Oh, I yeah. totally agree. It really is about knowing and understanding. So if, if 
there's nothing wrong with listening to the opposite because mm-hmm. how else are you going to know what's going on in, yeah, in the world exactly. and why the person thinks the way they think? So to your yeah. point, if, if, if we didn't keep an open mind about these things, um, if we had just listened to the news media and didn't actually see what we saw when it came to Trump's uh, editing and all that other stuff, yep. we would still be in the same boat. And listen, they, they have a narrative that they push on us. And if you're not willing to look at the other side with an open mind, um, there, there can be absolutely no progress done. Exactly. Well, guys, it's so good to see you. So glad that you could be on the show here at the Health Freedom Expo. Lourdes and Chris Lavoie, find their show and enjoy and engage in it. And uh, I'll look forward to coming back on your show because yeah, I yeah, just love wait. you guys. You just guys so are so awesome. Canceled, right, so we can be canceled from that network right away. Right, exactly. Wait. We're going to hurry that up. Uh, I'll shout out to Diane Miller, one of my Health Freedom heroes from National Health Freedom Coalition for being on the show today. Joni Abbott, Brian Hooker, Anita Tabau, and of course, Chris and Lourdes Lavoie. Thank you guys so Thank much for you. being here. God bless you all. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow in studio. Uh, I've enjoyed being here at the Health Freedom Expo. I hope you've enjoyed it. Those that you have come, you've been rewarded rich, richly. If those of you, you missed it, there's the virtual expo, including you'll hear Chris and Lourdes. You'll be able to watch them uh, in February of 2023 when that's released. And uh, make sure you're at the next one or any event we're at. So God bless you all. Thank you for being here. The power to heal is yours.